Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. <clears throat> for if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? If ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than the others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So what are we talking about in these verses? Well, we're talking about anger and, and loving one another and, and love is the exact opposite of anger okay and it, it's telling us that if if we just love those around us you know or our family or friends but we're supposed to go beyond that as a christian we're supposed to love complete strangers we're supposed to love people that we may not normally hang out with maybe even love people that are enemies okay that's how god's love is he looked down on us and we're sinful creatures but he sent his son to die for us even though we were sinful he, we are an abomination to him. He can't even look at sin, yet he sent Christ to die for us. That's love, and that's the kind of love he expects out of us. You know, That's why when you see somebody down, you lift them up. You know, you know the, These people, like you see homeless people, and they're hungry. You, know, you buy them a meal. Now, there's a lot of ones that are out there you know, that maybe you're trying to use the system and, and get rich off begging, but you don't know that. Okay? You still have to have compassion for people. You have to have love for people, okay? And that's what he's talking about here. Our actions, and this is so true, our actions come from our hearts, not our minds. They come from our hearts, right? So our hearts can be changed by our actions. It's kind of kind of cool how it works that way. So we can change our feelings towards one another by changing how we choose. Here's the word, how we choose to act towards that person. Okay? And this could be somebody you're not really happy with, right? Um, but <clears throat> it is a choice. It is a choice to whether you want to be mean or do you want to be loving. That is a choice. A lot of people say, oh, no, 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 it's an accident. No, it's a choice. Sorry. It's something you physically choose to do. And you're, you're mentally, you're like, yep, I'm going to be mean. I'm going to be mean, you know? It's a choice, so we need to look at that because we can choose to be nice. We can choose to be loving. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, 15. <clears throat> like I said last week, Ephesians chapter 4, bless you, is the, is, is the, man, it's such a great, great chapter about anger and how to deal with it. <clears throat> so we're going to read, we're going to read Ephesians 4, 15, and then we're going to read 25 to 32. So Ephesians 4, verse 15, the Bible says, but speaking in truth in all love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we see Christ as the head. But let's go on and look at the rest of this. Uh, 25 through 32. <clears throat> it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Here it comes. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, which with his hands 
the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. There we go. There's helping out the needy right there. You work, so you have some money, so you have money to help people that need it. So 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that is that it may minister grace unto the hearers. That's right there. It's choosing to be nice to each other and talk nice to each other. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. That's a bad one. So if we're not nice to each other, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Whereby ye are sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, <clears throat> excuse me, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So these verses right here, we're seeing God's way that he's telling us how we can handle anger biblically and how we can communicate to solve a problem, okay? And that's what we need. That's what most, most anger comes from is our inability to communicate with each other, right? And that's what, he's, you know, that's what he's telling us here. And in these verses, we see four basic rules of communication that God wants to share with us. And let's look at Ephesians 4.15 again. Ephesians 4.15 said, But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So speaking the truth, right, in love. And let's look at verse 25 because it ties right in there for it. It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man, what? Truth with his neighbors, for we are members one of another. So right there, what are we talking about? Pretty simple, right? Be honest and communicate with others. Pretty simple, right? People cannot read each other's minds. And how many times, especially in a marriage, does that happen? You know, you're like, well, I'm mad at you because you didn't do this or you didn't say this. But I'm clueless. And, you know, you're like, well, I didn't know you wanted me to do that or say that. It's because we're trying to read each other's minds. We can't do that. It says we must speak the truth in love. Okay, And even if that truth hurts that other person. You know, like you've got to go to them and tell them, hey, what you're doing is wrong, and that's hurting me or it's hurting others. And it's not going to make them feel good that you're correcting them, but God tells us to correct each other in love. You don't go to them and just point your finger at them and go, you're pretty stupid, because that's not edifying, and your communication, I guarantee you, just, just went down, right? But that's what he's telling us, right? So let's look at Ephesians, same chapter, 4. And let's look at verse 26 and 27. And these, are, these two verses right here are just the, the, the whole crux of our thing. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Okay? So what is he saying? Pretty simple. Stay current. Stay fresh. Stay in the present, right? And, and we must not allow something that is bothering us to build up and build up and build up inside of us until we lose control and we explode on another person. And we talked about that. That's a poison inside of us. That's bitterness eating us, right? And it is important to deal with what is bothering us before it reaches that explosion point. And these verses right here say that every day, if there's something wrong, you need to get it right before you go to bed. Because if you go to bed on it, it's going to sit in your heart and it's going to 
just build up and build up and build up, right? And there's two very deadly things about this, okay? It's talking about don't hold a grudge. How many people, they'll even brag about it. Man, I hold a grudge for a long time. Really? So you're holding on to bitterness and hate that long? Not good. And we talked about last week how that even affects you physically and mentally, and it really devastates you spiritually, right? It breaks that fellowship with God. But also, another deadly thing about this is it's talking about be current, stay current, stay fresh. Let go of the past. Let go of the past. The past will drag you into bitterness and anger every single time. If you are too busy looking at the past, you can't look at where you're at today. You're going to fall on your face. You know, and you definitely can't look to your future because you're too busy looking behind you. Try driving down 59 today, but looking in your rearview mirror the whole way home. It's not going to go good for you, right? And that's exactly what we do in our communication and our, our relationship with each other. Now, same chapter, Ephesians. Ephesians 4, let's look at 29 and 31. The Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. In verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, there it is, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Okay? So when we're dealing with each other and we're, we're communicating, right, attack the problem, not the person. Don't tell them you are stupid. No, tell them, you are doing something that is hurting others or hurting me or whatever you have to do. But it's attack the problem, not the person. Then you can get them on board to fixing the problem, right? Because you can't. it takes two people to argue. It takes two people to fight. But it also takes two people to fix that problem, you know? So that's what we need to do. Um, along this line, we re- must remember the importance when we're speaking to each other. How, many, how, how often has this happened? To keep the volume of our voice is low. If I come to you and say, you know, this is wrong, and this is why this is wrong, let's work on fixing it. And you don't hear that in your mind. You hear that all I'm doing is criticizing you, all I'm doing is putting you down, and your voice goes from this to this. Our communication's over. It's done. There's no communication now. We've broken that. Remember Proverbs 15.1. We talked about this. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Think about that. It turns away wrath. And we were told right here to put away this wrath, right? But grievous words stir up what? Anger. They stir up anger. And that's what we need to really focus on. How do we speak to each other? So same chapter, Ephesians. And let's read 31 and 32. We just read this one, but let's read it again. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And here's the other part of that, because there's a little semicolon there. And it says, and be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. There's a huge one. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Okay, so what is he telling us here? He's telling us to act, don't react. Act on your problems. Act on your anger. Act on what's going on in your lives. Don't react. Because of our fallen nature, our first impulse is what? A sinful one. I guarantee you, when somebody comes to you and tells you you've hurt them or you're doing something wrong, your first impulse is not to be communicating with them, is it? The voice is going to go up. 
the heart rate's going to go up and you're ready to punch them in the throat, right? Probably. So time spent, you know, think about and counting to 10 should be used to, to maybe reflect on a godly way to respond to someone, right? And, and, and to remind ourselves how to use the energy of our anger that provides to us to solve problems. We talked about that last week. God gave us anger as a way to solve problems, okay? Because he wants us to get frustrated and we get angry and we're like, I'm going to fix this, you know? Um, not create bigger problems. It's definitely not what we're supposed to be doing. And we've been taught that in law enforcement. When we get into a situation where it may be very tense, it may be stressful, stop, count from 10 to 1 backwards. Just if you got that moment to bring it back down. And we're also talking when somebody comes up to us and yelling at us already, talk real low to where they can't even hear you. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to stop yelling because they want to hear what you're saying because they see your lips moving, but they can't understand you. And it's going to frustrate them, and they're going to bring their volume down automatically. Okay? It's verbal judo. If you all want to look that up, it's something we used to teach. It's amazing. Okay? But that's what we do. We need to do with each other. And that's what the Bible teaches us right here. It's verbal judo, right? So let's look at, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 15 and 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But, here we go, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So keep that in, in, your, in your head for a second. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. And tie, these two verses tie together well. Matthew 10, 16. Matthew 10, verse 16 says, Behold, I send ye forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore, here it is, wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. Can you imagine in our marriages if we were wise as serpents and harmless as doves? Wow. Just in our relationship with people at work or our friends or even our children, how many times do they make you want to just, you know, do some, uh, you know, punching them in the head? You know? But you can't do that. Be wise and harmless, right? And that's what we're talking about. At times, at times we can handle anger preemptively if we keep our calm right and, and we put up the, the uh, by putting up these strong boundaries of keeping the mind of christ in us you know and, and we were told to, we're right here we're told to be discerning right and y'all remember this right i'm sure you will remember the little braces wwjd that's exactly what this is talking about okay instead of getting angry and blowing up at each other even in the times of adversity or at times when somebody's telling you something because they're trying to correct you, what would Jesus do? It's so true. That's the mind of Christ. What would Jesus do? You know, he wouldn't blow up, right? He only got angry, what, twice in the Bible? And that was because they were, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to those. But it was justified anger, right? What would Jesus do? Be wise and harmless. Matthew, let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Matthew chapter 7, and verse 6. And the Bible says, 
Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn them, turn again and rend you. Well, that's some anger if they turn again and rend you, right? But what are we talking about? We need to not cast our pearls before swine. Hmm. So sometimes anger leads us to recognize that certain people may be unsafe for us, right? There are certain people in our lives that we probably need to distance ourselves from, right? And I guarantee you it's not going to be other Christians. It's going to be people in our lives that are unsaved, okay? And, and we can still forgive them, right, for whatever they've done to us. We can still forgive them, but we can choose to not be around them. And that's what we need to do. We really need to be discerning about who we hang out with because whoever you hang out with will probably pull you that way, Okay? You're not going to be a Christian and, and be walking with God and in complete fellowship with Him and hanging out with people at a bar. You know, just not going to happen, right? Um, you know, and we shouldn't hang around with them because we can be an example to them. We're supposed to be a light to them, right? And maybe through, it, it may seem tough that we're being, you know, oh, we're being hard on them. But no, you know what? Maybe we're the only chance that person has to come to know Christ. And if we go down to their level, why should they come up to know Christ? So forgive them, but you don't have to hang around with them, right? And, and <clears throat> you know, you think about, you, you want them to change, right? You want them to change so you can get along with them and so you can have fellowship with them, right? What does that verse say? Don't equal, be unequally yoked. Think about it in marriages. If you have a Christian that marries a non-Christian, you're unequally yoked, Right? How much trouble is going to be there? I guarantee you it's going to be endless, and it's probably going to end in divorce, right? And that's what we talked about, because are those problems in marriage, because you're unequally yoked, will lead to anger, and anger is going to lead to bitterness, and it's going to lead to you're not going to have good communication, and it's just going to go downhill from there, okay? Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. <clears throat> Romans 12, verse 18. The Bible says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, look at this, live peaceably with all men. Doesn't say just ones you like. You're supposed to do everything in your power to live in peace with everybody. Okay? Doesn't mean you have to condone their behavior but you have to live in peace with them, right? That means don't start trouble. Don't fight with them. Don't argue with them, right? So finally, we look at this, and we, we, we must work to solve our part of the problem. Because like I said, remember, it takes two to fight, right? But we can only work on our part. We need to work on our part of the problem. We cannot control how others react. We cannot control how they respond to us. We can't control anything they do. But we can make changes in our heart right, that needs to be made on our part. And through that change, maybe they will see something, and then they will change, okay? And overcoming our temper is not accomplished overnight. We, are, we all know that it's going to take time, right? But through prayer, through Bible study, through reliance on God's Holy Spirit, ungodly anger can be overcome, Okay? You can overcome that. You don't have to be angry at the, every time the pen hits the floor, right? And we, we, have, we may have been allowed to be angry or 
to, to become, we allow this anger to become so entrenched in our lives and, and because it's a habitual practice. And we've, all, we've learned about habits, right? They say it takes 30 days to make a habit and even longer to break a habit. Well, if you have had a lifelong history of, of this, this unrighteous anger, these out-of-controlled anger, and you may have learned it from your parents, you know, you may have grown up in a home like that, okay? So this is what you know. But it can be something that you can fix, but you have to practice it responding correctly over and over and over until that becomes your habit, okay? And that becomes a godly habit within your lives, okay? And then once you get to that level, guess what? God is glorified. God is glorified because you are showing that he made a change in you. And even if you came from a bad home or a, a lot of fighting, God made that change in you, right? Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 again. Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Same, these are the go-to verses. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. So what does God mean when he's telling us not to let the sun go down on our anger? Okay, well, let's look at this same verse, 25 through 32. Let's read that again. <clears throat> it says, Wherefore, putting away lying and speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceedeth out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. There's a huge one right there. Holy, Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we see that right here near the end of this chapter in Ephesians, we are told to tell the truth to each other, to be angry without sinning, to stop stealing, to work so we can have to give to others. These are pretty good precepts, right? And, and we're told to, um, to use our words to edify others. That's a pretty good precept that God's given us. And he's also telling us we should do all of this so we don't do what? So we don't grieve the Holy Spirit, right? We're supposed to put away sins such as anger. And then we're supposed to be kind to others. Kind to others. And then at the end, he tells us, to forgive others just as God has forgiven us. And there's the key to not holding a grudge. There's a key to not having that anger, right? Go to bed angry. Forgive. Forgive them. Forgive them as God has forgiven you. And we look at verse 26. We're commanded to be angry. I mean, we're commanded to be angry. It says we can be angry, but do not sin. Okay? Do not sin. So let's go to Psalms 4.4. 4. Psalms 4 4. It's easier to see with the glasses on, right? Psalms 4, verse 4. The Bible says, Stand in awe and sin not. There's that same thing. And sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed 
and be still, Selah. So we're commanded to stand in awe, but sin not. We're also told when we are in bed at night to search our hearts and be still. That's praying and listening to God, waiting for him to respond to you. You know, you don't get to do all the talking. You need to just be quiet, be still, and listen to God. Take your problems to him. Remember, it says cast all your troubles on him. Cast them on him, and then let him deal with them, and let him give you some answers. So be there in bed and just sit there and be still. Okay? Listen for God. And this is telling us when we're prayerfully seeking God at night, we need to acknowledge how great he is and to get these anger issues in our heart resolved before we go to sleep, right? Don't go to bed angry, right? And, and then but we looked back at Ephesians. We're talking about Paul is using the same command from God when we're told to, to not let the sun go down on our anger. It's the same thing he's telling us here. And what God is telling us is that anger itself is not a sin. Remember, we talked about that. He allows us to be angry so we can solve problems, right? But it's how we use it that it determines whether it is sinful or not, how we use our anger. Do we use our anger to solve that problem, or do we use our anger to hold a grudge and I'm going to get you? You just wait till the next time you do this. I've got you, right? And let's go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verse 13. John 2, 13. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. And the Bible says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the, all out of the temple, not just a few, all of them out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers of money, and overthrew the tables. And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Okay? That is righteous anger. Christ went to the temple, he saw people had turned the temple into basically a flea market. It was no longer a place that was holy. They weren't worshiping there. It was a giant flea market. It was a social gathering, right? But he got angry, but he didn't sin. It was righteous anger. It was legitimate anger, right? And it was, it was anger towards a sin or an injustice that they were doing. And it, it made Christ do something very productive, right? He exhibited this righteous anger in, in, at times. Most notably is right here when he chased all these people out of his father's house, you know? And he, he told them to get out of the temple and, and take all this sin with you. He made that scourge, and he said, and you know, the whole time he's making, I can imagine, he's thinking, I got him. Here we go. They obviously aren't listening to the Bible. They aren't listening to the Word of God, so we're going to teach them. And he did. But it was righteous. He did not sin. And I guarantee you, he didn't go to bed angry that night, right? So more often than not, anger becomes sinful because of our own selfish interests. And which is, which is it motivated by? Our own self-interests are motivated by pride, right? And, and, and someone or something offends us, right? And, and then we lash out in anger at them. You're sinful, right? We end up saying or doing things that we ought not to, right? And they're looking at us going, you're a Christian? Really? 
Anger is rooted in our own sinfulness. Remember, we're born in sin. We can't help that, right? But through Christ, we can, we can fight against it. And, and this sinfulness is dangerous and it's destructive, not only to us, but to those around us, right? One thing that can turn anger into, into, into a sinful attitude is to allow it to continue <coughs> to fester inside of us and to grow that grudge we're talking about, going to bed angry, right? Instead of acting on it and, and, and dealing with it, right? In a righteous manner. That's what Christ is trying to teach us. Deal with it in a righteous manner, right? To, the, the command to not let the sun go down upon your anger means we are to do whatever is necessary. Whatever is necessary with whoever we have to, to make sure that the sun does not go down and we go to bed while we're still angry. God doesn't say, just do this if you can. No, he says, do this now. Do this now. Why is this so important? Well, we could always make it better in the morning, right? Right? Nope, that doesn't happen, does it? We always think, oh, well, I need, I need this night to cool down. Well, I guarantee you, when you wake up in the morning, you're not cooled down. You're, the first thing that's going to be in your mind when you wake up is that anger. You're going to be ready to just go punch them in the face, right? That's a bad decision to let it go down. Let the sun go down in your anger. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. It's the only place we're going to learn. Ephesians 4. It's so, this chapter is just so, I mean, there's nowhere else to go. 427. <clears throat> Ooh, I'm in Galatians. That's why it doesn't look right. Ephesians 4, verse 27. And then we read this before, but it says, Neither give place to the devil. That's pretty simple, right? Pretty scary. The reason that God is very clear on this, there's no, you know, there's no way to not interpret that right. I mean, you can't interpret that but one way, the way God meant it to be. He's very clear on it. It's to allow that period of anger to be unreasonably prolonged by going to bed on it and letting him just sit there all night. We're opening the door to Satan. We're giving the devil a foothold in our lives. Okay? All we're doing is when we go to bed angry, we're just saying, yeah, devil, you got all night long to work on me. And when I wake up in the morning, you're already going to have your foot in the door. Okay? And once he's got his foot in his door, do you think he's going to be nice to you? No, nah, he's going to twist you. He's going to make you think all kinds of crazy things. He's trying to do that to get into your heart and get into your lives for one reason. Okay? Because he wants to plant that little seed of bitterness in there. Because if he can get that little seed of bitterness in there and then you water it and you fertilize it and you grow it for him, you're going to destroy your fellowship with God. You're going to destroy your relationship with other people and you're going to cause destruction in everybody's lives, not only your own. Okay? That's exactly why we don't go to bed mad. And the Bible has many warnings against this and, and the, the improper use of anger. There is a proper, we've talked about that, righteous use, but it has many warnings. Let's look at verse 31 there. 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So we're commanded to put away our anger, right? This means, and it says all anger, not just a little bit, all anger. And what that means is to put away firmly. Okay? It means to put away firmly, to put away something with force. That doesn't mean to just casually sweep it away. You're supposed to take that anger and put it away from you forcefully. This is something that's very bad. 
It's just like if you're walking, you know, on the hiking trail and a big snake comes out. You're not going to go, oh, cute little snake. No, you're going to run away from him forcefully, right? Or you're going to kick him really hard. I don't know what you're going to do, but you're not going to do it. You're going to do it with force because it's something that's bad. The same thing with your anger, right? Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 19. James chapter 1, verse 19. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Do we do that when we're angry? Are we swift to hear? But it says right here, be swift to hear, right? And slow to speak and slow to wrath. Think about that when you're heated up and you're having a discussion with somebody. Do you hit those three? Nope. You probably blow them every time, right? But right here, we're commanded to be quick to listen. That's listen to the other person. Listen to why they're upset. Listen. And listen means you actually hear what they're saying. It doesn't mean you're sitting there waiting for them to be quiet so you can get your point in. Okay? Or you get so mad that you overtalk them. Listen till they're finished. Okay? It also says slow to speak. So even after they're finished, maybe you ought to take that time. Count to ten backwards, right? Calm down. Get your words set so your words can edify that person and you can work on the problem together. Slow to speak. Now, here's the other one. Slow to anger. Because if you're quick to anger, all these other ones are gone. They're gone. Okay? Let's go to Psalms 37, 8. Psalms 37, 8. Psalms 37 and verse 8. The Bible says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Isn't that what we've been talking about? Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyselves in any wise to do evil. Any wise to do evil. So we are commanded to stop ourselves from being angry. This is out of controlled anger, right? And we're supposed to stay away from wrath. That's when our anger is so wrapped up that it just becomes wrath. It's just intense anger, right? And, and, and do not be worried by our anger because it only leads to evil. You've got to fight against this anger. And why, why, why would we let something grow in our hearts that would only lead us to evil? Would you intentionally let yourself be led to evil? No. So why go to bed angry? Why let that grudge build up, you know? Let's go to Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 7, and verse 9. Ecclesiastes. <laughs> chapter 7, and verse 9. And the Bible says, Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad. And a gift destroyeth the heart. Wow. What is this talking about? Well, it's talking about where I hear we're commanded to not be so easily upset. Right? Supposed to keep our calm. Count to ten backwards. Do what you got to do. Because anger is something that is for fools. Okay? And think about how we have seen many people acting out because they're angry. And they act like complete fools. Right? 
How many of y'all sit on social media and watch these people just get out of control, screaming, acting a fool, laying down the road, banging on doors? What are they called? Karens? Sorry if your name's Karen, but that's the term now, right? Don't be a Karen. Those are people that are out of control because of their anger. They have lost their mind, okay? They have lost touch with reality most of the time because they're mad at somebody. They'll run out in the freeway and kick their car. Not a good idea, okay? That's exactly what we're talking about here. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. Proverbs 14, 29. Proverbs 14, verse 29 says, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. Wow. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Okay? So here we're seeing kind of the same warning that we just saw, right? We're told that if we're patient, we have great understanding. If you're patient and you're slow to anger, and you're actually going to be that person that listens and takes time to think of how you're going to respond, you are of great understanding. But if you're quick-tempered, we lack any good sense, and the Bible calls us a fool, right? A fool. Look at Proverbs 19.11. Proverbs 19.11, the Bible says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and... It is his glory to pass over a transgression. So what is he talking about? Well, that word deferreth, if you, if you actually study it out, it means makes him slow to anger. Slow to anger. So we see that it is very smart, right? It's very smart to control our anger, and, and, it, and it displays our honor to keep away from an angry argument or confrontation. That's what we're talking about here. Stay away from those angry arguments and confrontations. If it gets that bad and they're not listening, just say, time out. We're going to walk away from this. We'll, we'll revisit this a little bit later because you're not going to gain anything. You're actually going to cause more destruction, right? And anger must be controlled, and we should never use it as sin. That's what we're talking about. If we do become angry, we need to deal with that anger and its root of bitterness that it'll plant in us very quickly, right? And then promptly, what is it? What do we learn? Put it away from us. Thrust it away from us, right? We should strive to keep our, our, our short accounts and, and, and to forgive those that need forgiving. We've got to keep our accounts clear, right? And, and we need to do this in a timely manner, right? Even before the sun goes down. That's every single day we have to deal with our anger. Every single day we have to be accountable to God because we don't want to break that fellowship with God and we don't want to break that fellowship with each other. Every single day. What did the Bible teach us? Before the sun goes down. Okay? Hang on. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 again. Y'all should love this chapter by now. But this is an amazing chapter. It actually is. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read that verse 31 one more time. The Bible commands us, let all bitterness, not some, all bitterness and all wrath and all anger and all clamors, what it's talking about, and all evil speaking, be put away from you with, what? All malice. 
So God is commanding us here, right? These are his commands. And he tells, he's commanding us to let go of all bitterness, not some of it, not keep a little bit there because you may need it one day, right? All bitterness, all bitterness of everything that's been done to you wrong, all bitterness of everything that's happened to you in the past. Quit looking to the past, look forward. So get rid of all bitterness and all wrath and all anger and all clamor and all evil speaking and all malice. It says to be put away from you. If you hold on to this anger, you run the risk that your bitterness and your resentfulness and, and will provide what? Remember we learned this? The devil. It'll provide him a foothold. And that foothold will become a stronghold in your lives. And it is hard to get rid of a stronghold in your lives. And he will use it every single day to pull you down and pull you away from Christ and destroy your witness, destroy your testimony, destroy your family, destroy your children, and destroy your church. And he will do it because that's his goal. But it's all because we let that little bitterness stay in us, right? So unchecked anger among Christians will break that fellowship, right, with Christ, and it will bring damage to the church. Think about if you tell everybody at your work you're a Christian, but you're always angry and snapping at them. You think they're going to want to go to church with you? Why? Why should I go serve a God that this guy is angry all the time? He is out of his mind, right? He's a Karen, right? We don't want that. So we really need to learn the lessons that we've learned in just chapter Ephesians 4. If we would just review this chapter until we knew these precepts in our heart, that would be amazing. And why is that? Well, let's look at verse 32. It says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, guys, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. What is verse 32? It is what God expects you to be, if you're a Christian, every single moment of every single day at all times. Are you going to get angry? Yes. But don't let it control you. Don't let it settle in your heart. Don't go to bed angry, right? And be tenderhearted. Be forgiving because Christ forgave you. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again, Lord, just to, Lord, maybe learn a little bit more about anger, Lord, and, and how it's so destructive, and, Lord, how it can cause homes to break up and marriages to end and churches to divide, Lord, and, and it can just destroy our, any witness we have to any chance to bring anybody to Christ, Lord. I ask you just to help us with this anger, Lord, and help us understand it, Lord, that, that there is righteous anger, but there is also sinful anger, Lord, and I ask you to to just help us look forward, Lord, and not look to the past. And, Lord, be able to, to learn that. If we learn that, just that one precept, Lord, just to, Lord, to not go to bed angry, Lord. I ask you just to help us with this, Lord, and just continue to be with us the rest of this day as we continue to, to worship you and, and praise you and learn from you, Lord. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.